It's 12 Enough, Season 11, Episode 9B, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Steve Doherty. 12 Enough is a podcast of Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Not the pre-modern age, the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Steve Doherty is the pastor of Cross Point Church in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by Pre-Modern Thinking. Remember that time when it was easy just to see God in everything and there was a sense of mystery and wonder with the world and with nature and a real awareness of the enchantment of creation. And alchemy was cool, too. Pre-modern thinking. And we're back. Uh, last time I think I recorded an introduction, I was on an airplane, and I felt bad about doing that to all of you. It was just, the, I know, the sound wasn't great, and, and you deserve better. You deserve better. I'm going to give you better. I'm not on an airplane. I'm actually riding on the back of a camel right now. Riding on the back of a camel, going through the deserts of Rhode Island. There are deserts in Rhode Island, and there's camels you can rent. And it takes about five minutes to get from one end to the other. But you need the camel because you're in the desert in Rhode Island. So while I try to make my way across these um, amazing dunes and um, wasteland of sorts on top of this camel going back and forth and up and down that explains the bumping uh, I want you to listen to I want you I invite you I would love it if you could listen to this podcast this recording that I did with Steve Doherty uh, as I said Steve is the pastor of Cross Point Church in Raleigh Durham North Carolina uh, but that's not why I was talking to him although it sounds like a good church if you want to find a church in Raleigh-Durham, go there. It's a good church. But he wrote this book, Experiments in Honesty, Meditations on Love, Fear, and the Honest-to-God Naked Truth. It's a really good book. I read it, and I said, I got to talk to this guy. And so I did, and he talked back, and we had a conversation. Uh, and it was a good one. So I hope you enjoy the conversation I had with author and pastor Steve Dockerty. Okay, I am here. Okay, I like I said, I like okay, okay. Next round, I'm of business. Everyone, focus, please, for once, for once. Okay, first, first, right. <laughs> Shut up. Listen. Is it, I mean, you run your board meetings the same way I do. <laughs> Mine is usually pleading and crying. Can you just let me finish? Just one yeah. thought. For the yep. love of God. Um, and they say, Pastor, tell us more about this love of God. I'm like, no, it's not Sunday. <laughs> I'm off the clock. Shut yeah, up. If I start talking about it now, I'll have nothing to say in my sermon. So I'm here with Steve uh, Doherty. Did I get it right? Perfect. Wow. That was the first time I've been perfect in my life. So Steve Doherty, he's the pastor of Cross Point Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, the Research Triangle. Actually, he's past, it's in Cary, North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, but only an elite few know about Cary. <laughs> They I'm just a, finding this out, yeah. Yeah, they made a movie about it. Um, it was based on a book. 
Mm. I'll have to get that. Yeah, let people go see that movie. Um, don't don't write back about that. But uh, so Steve's here on the show. Steve, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I like how we both said I said it's great, and you said thanks, and we haven't really even started yet, so this may end up turning into a disaster. And well. So you have I'm, editing equipment. I do, but I want to give you that opportunity at the end of the show if you want to retract your gratitude. Thank you. You can feel free to do so. I I am uh, I appreciate that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm magnanimous, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, Steve is here because uh, Mike Morell, who constantly or every now and again drops little ideas into my um, email feed about authors and stuff uh, sent me this info about this book that you wrote Experiments in Honesty so you wrote a book and that's really what it comes down to you wrote a book you write a book you get on a podcast that's how it works mm-hmm. um, if you didn't write a book I don't know why I would talk to you you, don't know. <laughs> you might find even though I did write a book you don't know why you're talking to me let's like see how I said, it goes you know I already I already said it's good to have you I'm not going to retract that okay um, because I can edit <laughs> like um, uh, so you wrote this book, Experiments in Honesty, and that's going to be at least the start of our conversation, but I'm really curious to see where it's going to go. And I want to give people the subtitle to this. So it's Experiments in Honesty, colon, right? Um, meditations on Love, Fear, and the Honest-to-God Naked Truth. Uh, yeah. So, it's a lot of words. Yeah, it was a lot of words. And, and I noticed as I read this book, each page has a lot of words. Uh, my, my publisher wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. So I did I, put pictures in it. You do. Have, you do have some nice pictures. Are those your drawings? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah. That's impressive. Um, so this book, it was a great book. I, I enjoyed reading it. I recommend it. You've got the Jonathan Malone recommendation. Which, That's great. Yeah. Maybe you, Maybe one other person will buy it. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I do podcasts, right? There. Right, yeah, because like, yeah, well, your audience. Time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a wide audience for the Twelve Enough podcast. It's a wide <laughs> and varied audience. Uh, no, I do recommend it, and um, just for the listeners, it is there. Are, they, meditations is a good description of the chapters, uh, and you know, one of the things I liked about it is that each section could stand on its own. And you have those nice, you know, parts, you know, spot after each section for people to take notes. Um, and for those of us who like to keep track of page counts, it also made us feel like, oh, I'm really making progress when I could just flip through all those empty note pages and they still count. Mm. So thank you yes. for that. As yeah, well. yeah. Yes. It sounds like you're my target audience. That's, that's, that's why I did all of that. Yeah. <laughs> can you add 15 more pages? You bet I can. Yeah, absolutely. I can make it 20. Uh, so... But it, because of its its meditations, and, and we can look at each one as, as a standalone meditation, one of the things I was wondering, though, is what's the narrative through line of this hmm. book? And, and really, and, and that's something I, I might be able to come up with some thoughts, but more than that, what I'm wondering is what's the backstory? Hmm. It, because, no, that's a great question. Yeah. I uh, I wrote this in another form. Uh, well, about I would estimate about sixty percent of it mm. uh, several years ago, and um, and used it as sort of a devotional material for people at my church. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was I would say one of the through lines for it existing then was during Lent, mm. and 
And it doesn't follow Lenten ideas per se. I mean, anything I guess could be put into that. Uh, but the, the idea was mm-hmm. um, I wanted to give people a chance to admit some things that by admitting them, they, that you, you sort of, you know, you get them out of the way. And so I think that's why I put so many words on the cover ultimately is mm-hmm. it's the, it's, I'm inviting people to experiment with, with honesty. Uh, what would happen if we tried being honest before God, whatever mm. our notion of God is? What, what would happen if we said exactly what we were thinking, uh, if we admitted to things that didn't, by admitting them, that would make us feel like we no longer belonged to our community or you know, it, it puts, it, it serves as a liability to certain relationships or makes us think that this is going to make God angry as though admitting it informs God. So really it was all of this. Um, what, what if we just tried being naked before God since if God is good at being God, that's how we are anyway. You know, this, mm. this, the show that we put on doesn't fool the, the, the all knowing. So so why don't we try it out? So that's that's really very helpful. Uh, that's beautiful. I'm wondering, I'm trying to remember, I don't remember you spending a lot of time with the Garden of Eden. Did I? I do, I do, I do quite a bit um, in, I, I, I don't have the chapters. I might have, yeah, I, might, I read it last week. I mean, I did read the book. I swear. Uh-huh. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because sometimes uh, I'll get asked about the book and um, I can tell all of the questions are coming from the first two chapters. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh you, you read a lot of books and you didn't make it through mine yet. So, so yeah, that's no, I, I believe yeah. that you read it. My um, worry was that all my questions would be about the last couple of chapters because that's what's freshest in my mind. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, maybe, did you, so maybe you did mention the Garden of Eden early, earlier on in the book. I do talk um, about it quite a bit because um, the uh, the the idea being um, that what we what we see um, uh, we see a lot of things in the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. But one of the things that we see is that the first effects of the sin condition aren't moral. Um, They're psychological. So the first effects of sin aren't um, a whole lot of rebellious behavior or people being cruel to one another. What we see is people covering something that's already been seen. So the first effects of sin are are psychological. And, 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 you know, I play with words quite a bit. And so it's shame. And if you drop the E off shame, you get sham. And that's what a fig leaf is. It's a sham. I'm trying to control your impression of me. Right, right. Well, and I I think that Oh, I just found it. That's on page 27. <laughs> um, where they, you know, Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit and they were perfectly peaceful. I, I found it because I underlined it. That's why. Mm. So this was a, actually, this is something that caused me to mark up my book. So um, it made an impact on your pen, just not on your, on your memory. <laughs> so you wrote, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote you. Um, These perfectly peaceful human beings became concerned, perhaps obsessed with veiling success, selections of their person in order to control the other's thought. They obscure, they sham. A word whose root can be found simply by adding back its E. They shame. And then the text shows them hiding behind the trees to hear God coming. It, it, I like that idea, uh, you know, stay, and staying with that, that idea of that, uh, the, uh, the original sin, you know, if we hold with that, that, that narrative, 
um, is is psychological, it, and and it it's almost as if we are part of what that causes is us creating a barrier between us and God, mm-hmm. um, you know, and yeah, and uh, an illusionary barrier, but saying maybe if I can hide this from God, God will see the parts that I want God to see, mm-hmm. not everything that you know, like you like you say that God does see at all. Um, and so I imagine then part of what you're in trying to say, let's be naked in front of God, is that sign to say we've got to deconstruct these barriers, these walls, um, accoutrements that we've built up over generations and generations of time. Is that? Yeah. I, I, and if just within our lifetime, if you recognize that um, this is what we learned from our parents and our teachers and from our friends that... Mm-hmm. All I got to do, I don't have to become different inside. All I have to do is figure out how to arrange fig leaves and I can get my father to stop being angry or disappointed. I can get my mother to whatever. I can make my teacher think that I'm respectful. I can make that girl think that I'm, you know, put together enough for her attention, whatever it is. There's a way that we learn that our performance uh, can earn and maintain inclusion and respect and the, the, the feeling of love. And so of course we project that up to heaven to say, I think mm-hmm. life is about figuring out how to put on a good show. And, uh, what I do for a living affords me a front row seat to you get into your thirties and forties and you start to realize I, I can't tap, tap dance one more day. I can't do it. Uh, and I hear this story a ton, right. you know, I just two days ago sat down with a guy that's like a big name in AI and this millionaire. And he's looking at me like he hasn't slept in four days. I can't do this anymore. Well, it's because he's been tap dancing his entire life and I've my fair share. So we come to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to confess and admit some things. Well, we're not informing God. We're finally agreeing with reality. And so truth, um, where we talk about being people of a truth, we mm-hmm. use it so propositionally, like that we're supposed to go around and tell people the truth and all that. And I understand that. But truth biblically uh, comes from a word, two words, a and lathia, which mm-hmm. means to uncover. Right. So, right. so it's not propositional. It's this is simply what God already sees underneath the show, underneath the fig leaves. And fig leaves can be your sense of humor or your car or whatever it is. What is it that I have to do to make you include me? And uh, right. that's that's the part of the good news is God can see. So first, I want to take um, exception that you start with sense of humor as a possible fig leaf. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hear that as you directly attacking me and my humor as a way to kind of hide my insecurities because it's mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. what I do. Yeah, um, defensiveness is also a fig leaf. So, what do you mean defensiveness? <laughs> you know what? This whole thing's over. <laughs> Delete. No, but and and also, uh, please do remember that I you, you're talking to someone who now resides in New England, and um, we, our bread and butter is all based on burying our emotions and projecting a facade that is proper mm. and ordered. Um, <laughs> You know, so just keep that in mind. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think, you know, getting to that rela- relationality um, in, you know, with God and then with others, uh, I think is fantastic. How much of the Psalms, and, you know, throughout your book, you have peppered different, um, different passages um, mm-hmm. all throughout. 
when I work with people in, with similar challenges, and a lot of times it's when they're uh, wrestling with trauma in one way or another, they say, I don't even know how to pray to God, I'm so angry. I turn to the Psalms and I say, well, here's some good examples. Uh, how much of the Psalms do you look to for, you know, as a sense of like, this, here's a biblical precedent for being, you know, naked in front of God? I, uh, I've not... I've not done that to you know to answer your question directly. Well, that, there's your that, sequel. That, that doesn't. Thank you. That is a great idea. Um, <laughs> that doesn't really describe my my experience. Okay. Um, but but you know the prayerful part. Like I, I definitely understand what you what you're saying about you know I, I don't even know how to pray and the anger and 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 that sort of thing. And I talk a little bit about that in the book. Mm. And I I receive the Psalms as, you know. It's music. We've lost the melody to most of it, right. but it's it's prayer. It's you, you know we sing our prayers. Hopefully every Sunday we call it worship music or hymns. Right. And so I, I do I I do recognize the the art form, um, but I'm 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 more at this stage in my life uh, more about silence. Hmm. Uh, at risk of trying to sound overly interesting, I'm more interested in. Um, how is it that I am cluttering and adding hmm. and burying the voice with my searching and my, and so that's just, that's just where I'm, where I'm at right, right now. Right. I don't, well, I don't think I'll probably stay there. That's fascinating. Uh, let's, I'd like to stay with that for a moment. That idea mm -hmm. of, of that silence and, um, uncluttering, um, how, so is there an active way in which you engage silence in prayer? Yes. Um, and I have totally arrived and have, I can nail it. Really? Yes, without any effort whatsoever. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So I just, um, I, so grab a pen. Honest. Yeah. Uh, so I, there's several things that I do. Um, right. You know, uh, I'm, I'm ADHD. If that is a thing, I've been diagnosed with that. And, and so my, I, I have lots of TVs on in my head at a given time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what I, I have to engage in uh, silence sometimes by giving my the monkey brain something to do. So mm -hmm. I run. I run quite a bit. Nice. Sometimes I just sit um, uh, going for walks. So the monks used to do that. You know, the, some of the, them, some, some still do it. Yeah, they probably do. I don't know why I, I reduced them to only historic figures. <laughs> monks these days, yeah. they're all on their Twitter and their Instagram. The monks are not like they used to be. Not at all. It's Ugh, so disappointing. It just makes me sick. Yeah, and the monk lineals, they're so entitled. <laughs> well um, done, sir. If I had a hat on, I'd tip it to you. Thank you. So, so running has become in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, it, it, you know, that's that's hard to prescribe. But I've just found that uh, I get to a certain point mm. and my brain stops fighting me and it, it clears my head. And, and so that's that's been very helpful. Um, but just sitting yeah. and learning to, you know, like I don't turn on the radio in my car. Oftentimes, I just mm. I ride in silence. Um, I, when I'm sitting by myself, I don't do earbuds. I don't, I try not to make a phone call or be on my phone sometimes. I mean, I do sometimes, right, but right. to be mindful of, I'm just going to sit in the silence. So, but having a, first of all, how do you listen to your podcast if you don't 
put stuff on it while you're in the car. I mean, <laughs> yeah. your podcast queue must be so deep. That's crazy. It's it's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it sounds also like there, there's an aspect of there's a deliberateness. Um, and is there a routine to it as well for you? Is that not much? That... Not much of a routine. Yeah. Okay. And, and to, probably to a fault. But I've just recognized, you know, my weeks lay out uh, a little differently. Mm-hmm. E- each week looks a little different. Yeah. Uh, but there are some predictable uh, places in there, you know, dropping my kids off and where I put my runs and uh, where I do all of that. And so there, it's yeah. a, it's a little bit about. Yeah. So I mean, I, and I think one of the th- one of the takeaways already that I have from this is people need to find what works for them. Uh-huh. Um, for me, it it is a routine, and for for a while, you know, I get I'm I'm an early riser, and the mm. first thing I would do is put in my earbuds and listen to whatever podcast I'm on in the middle of. Mm-hmm. And then I would go and try to pray, and I realized I'm already cluttering up my mind. Yeah, more content. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm very deliberate to not put anything on. Um, I get a, you know, I get up, get my water, and I sit down, and I go right to prayer. And prayer has at least ten minutes of silence for me. I I use mm-hmm. some written stuff as well to help focus it. But that silence is then I focus on breathing, um, and I know mindfulness has become very in vogue. That's like the thing today. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, there's some real benefit to that. One of the things I like about mindfulness is the taking the judgment out of meditation. Instead of having to clear your mind, you just, the whatever comes to your head, you stay with it. Like, okay, this seems to be important to me. Why don't I just stay with it? And if it's not, it'll go away. Mm-hmm. You're um, speaking my love language right now, man. This, oh. is, this, this is all, and, and the, that taking the judgment out, I, I consider a silence. Uh, oh, yeah. So now the silence becomes metaphorical as well. Oh, it's, it has to be. When I'm sitting in the presence of somebody who is speaking to me, there is sound in my presence, but I try to silence the guy who says, I can't wait to contribute to this conversation so that he'll think that I'm smart or whatever. Right. And so to, to sit in that, that space of, I don't have to produce content. I don't have to do the right thing with this content. Just be present. And I really think, you know, you, you talked about mindfulness being in vogue, and I know exactly what you mean. Mm. But but much like the monks, um, it never went anywhere. It's It's been here the whole time. Right. Yeah. When, when Moses notices that the bush is not consumed, that's when God speaks his name twice. Mm. It, it's not when he sees the brush fire because right. those are common. He's been, in, you know, he's been out there forty years. Yeah. It says that when when Yahweh see saw that Moses noticed that the bush was not consumed, that's when he called out. So it's there's the, yeah. the reward of being present. Um, that goes way way back. Right. Um, you just made, you did make me a little bit anxious about how I you know listening to a conversation and not wanting to fill it with content because that's. As a podcast host, podcasts work. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had that thought. Yeah, yeah. No, but actually, you know, and and just to give a little inside baseball for the listeners, um, you know, some people are very good interviewers. I try not to be one because hmm. I think an interview and a conversation are two different things. Because in the interview, I would have well, first interviewing takes more work. I would have actually had you know have questions prepared for you. Hmm. You know, and, and digging, like, tell me about your, your childhood, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation, and interviewing's fine. I don't mean to put it down. It, um, it has its place. Um, uh, the conversation is much more give and take. And so I am listening to you, and then I'm also trying to be aware of how are the things you're saying impacting me 
and and without me saying now what do I need to offer that will be valuable, but really just trying to stay in the moment, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's just the approach I take. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Just like yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. What a great distinction. I've never heard the, the that that uh, unspooled that way. I really like that. I made it up, uh, but I'll take it. Great. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling thankful again. Hey, oh, good. Maybe I should, maybe we should. Well, it's been great having you on the show. <laughs> That's great. Folks, look off his book now. Um, one of the things that I love to do, and I want to, because I want to stay with this idea of nakedness uh, and, and the running I get, because I do that as well. Um, There's a sentence or two to take out of context and put up on the internet. I want to stay with this nakedness a bit. And run around or and whatever around, it is. Yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> Like <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't fix that. I just can't. I, it's fine. We already admitted you're not wearing a hat, so we'll just let people do with that whatever they want to. Folks, this is. Um, I mean, we're recording this. I mean, it's probably one thirty in the morning, so it's already after midnight. So <laughs> anything goes at this point. Anything goes. Anything I- goes. I'll give an explicit rating on the podcast. Mm, um, now I'm listening. <laughs> Uh, one one of the things I, I uh, that really feeds me is uh, hiking and backpacking, and um, it took me a while the, to step away from the transcendental romanticism of hiking and backpacking, and the idea of like I'm in the woods, I'm one with nature, all nature is beautiful, um, and to realize no nature wants to kill you, mm. or it doesn't want to, but nature is so take the want out. That's part of it. Nature will kill you. You know, those mosquitoes, um, they're malicious. Those do want. Those mosquitoes do have a desire, and that desire is evil. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's clear. But, you know, if I run into, you know, um, I've run into a bear, the bear is not saying, like, well, what kind of person are you? And are you here to romanticize? Or the bear is going to say, you got good food? If you got good food, I want it. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and, and, you know, you know, if the wind is bad, the weather's bad, that's just the wind and weather being the way it is. And what that's done for me in part is to say, um, I'm also going to try to have, I'm going to have to try to be in the woods just in the full- fullest way I can and accept the woods in the fullest way that it is there for me or with me. Uh, and and t- I can't force it. I can't make it. Um, I wrestle with that relationship with God, but with other people, that may, that helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, especially like working with parishioners. Now, some of my parishioners listen to this, so I'm going to be speaking of other parishioners from other churches. Yeah, my church. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to people from your church, and they drive me nuts, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think to myself, this person is just being who they are. Mm-hmm. And I need to offer myself as I am. And in that interaction, in that interchange, then let's see what new thing occurs. But I can't force them to be who I want them to be. Mm-hmm. Nor should I try to be who I think they want me to be. Mm-hmm. That second part is really hard for me because, you know, as a pastor, I'm a huge egotist and people pleaser. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so I'm, I constantly want to say, well, who do you want me to be? And I'll be that person for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what about the how is that? I'm I'm kind of talking around in circles. I apologize for that. Well, no, don't. I, I I hear you saying that there's a way of engaging reality by saying I'm going to allow it to be what it is because mm. if not, I'm only causing myself misery. Right. 
I'm, I, you know, any, any time that we go up against reality mm -hmm. and try to change it to, to conform to our own preferences, yeah. um, we lose, we just do. And <clears throat> even if we think that in the short term, I was, you know, I'm successful, mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess that could be, I, I could unpack that more to talk about than what is creativity, but, but, but offering reality, something else. But I, but to your point, like whether you're going into the woods or into a conversation to say, I, I take you as you are. Yeah. I think though, there's a little bit of an asterisk next to what you said, because it's also like this person from, you know, from Steve Doherty's church is annoying. <laughs> And so, but that's just how you are and I accept you. There's another level that says you're not annoying. Mm. I am personally allowing myself to be annoyed by you. Mm. That's, that's the deep stuff. Um, that's, right. the, that's the sitting silently to say, I am not gonna project on you this negative take that I have inside me because you probably don't have this effect on everyone. You probably don't do this to your mother. It's mm. just happening inside me right now, and I am holding you responsible for it. And so, so it's not just, this is why I, I, there's something in me that cringes a little bit that says um, that unconditional love is looking at somebody that, uh, that maybe that hasn't earned love, but you love them anyway. Mm, yeah. But, but that kind of assumes that your take on them is absolute. And I mean, I've got some real good intel just this week that I've rubbed people totally the wrong way. Oof. And I had no idea, I still don't know how it happened. But oh. I mean, it, it went really sideways. Oh. And, and it makes my stomach hurt thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I bet. My impulse is they overreacted, they took me wrong, they, 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 they. And while I was running this morning, I said, God, yesterday hurt. Mm. Um, what What's true outside my head? Because everything inside my head uh, it, you know, I've got this whole narrative of how it's them and they, they did just listen. That's not what I was saying, doing, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thrust into this. Uh, I th I think I, I'm responsible. I, I think I'm, uh, it's, it's my job to sort through all of this, not figure out how I can, you know, how do I just explain this to the other person to make them realize yeah. it's their fault and I, all that. Right. Right. Yeah. So it takes a lot more work to say, I'm not only going to take you as you are, but I'm also going to take responsibility for the work that that takes because I, right. uh, I, my take on you isn't absolute. So uh, two thoughts with that. That's fantastic. A part of that is I, I want – we need to be careful to become so passive uh, – becoming passive in the relationship to say you may be annoying to me, but that's my stuff, so I'm just going to let you be who you are to me. Because there are moments when we have to say, no, the way you're acting right now is not okay. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's so that's me. I'm owning that what you're doing. Maybe other people are okay with it, but I'm not okay with it. And if I'm going to respect or honor the relationship, I need to speak. Yeah. Yeah. But see how much work that takes to it, sort through all that? That takes a lot of work. Yeah. Because what the impulse is, is you make me mad. Right. Well, that's not that's not how that's actually working. Right. And so based on the relationship we have, can I can I explain how I'm feeling based on what you said or did? You got to use all those I statements and you have to own everything. Uh, it's because so much, we're so much work. It's so much but, easier just to point your finger and call someone an idiot and then run off. Yeah. And it feels good, too. It that's that's the real great. bummer, man. Oh, it uh, feels so good. You get an endorphin rush when you're aggressive. Isn't that a that doesn't seem like a flaw in the design that you act. It actually feels good to be a jerk to somebody. <laughs> 
I wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just really, I'm... Um, and, and that's because I'm so passive aggressive. <laughs> but the other thing, I, I really, what I really appreciate also from when you said in your run, your prayer was, God, this hurts. Hmm. Uh, and that kind of prayer, I think, is so po- poignant and powerful. Instead of saying, God, I need you to change these people's minds hmm. or I need you to show me what to do. Instead of just saying, God, here's what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I imagine you just listened or is that, that's it, man. That's now, now all I can hear is the sound of my feet. I don't run with, with earbuds. I yeah. just, I just listen. And I, and I uh, just even listening to my own prayer, like what does, what would this sound like if I knew a lot more <laughs> that this hurts in, I mean, I, gosh, I can get so down in the weeds about some of this stuff and well, get and, down in the weeds. I, it's fine. I, I well, but just even, you know, when I say, God, uh, I, I am hurting, just to even sort through those words. No, yeah. it's my ego that took a hit, and my ego isn't my tru- the truest part of me. It's my ego that's right. wanting to latch out. Right. It's my ego that's wondering, what's the high road here? Since I feel low, is there a high road? You know, right, there's, right. there's a way of losing the baseball game and being such a good sport about it that yeah. you've actually won the baseball game. People say, that that's Steve Doherty. He's... What a what a what a guy! Look at how yeah. he's just taking it on the chin and just even when he's losing, he's winning. Yeah, what a guy. <laughs> right. So 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 really sorting through like what am I really trying to do here? Yeah. But 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 genuinely just yeah. feeling like I, I'm I'm acknowledging the feeling. I'm acknowledging. I'm giving that space, but I really have to work hard um, to not do the thing where it's somebody else's fault. Right. Sometimes it is, but it's really way less than my but, ego tells me. I, and I think even when it is someone's fault, we need to own still, it, it's, there's always a relationality and we need to own the place we have within that. Mm-hmm. If, if someone is just that. unjust towards us, um, we still have to own how are we going to react? Mm-hmm. How are we going to respond? Those kind of things. Uh, and, and how loving is it to say, I wonder why you did that? Right. Right. Just to say, like, like, like if the movie were about the other person, right? I want, you know, a friend of mine um, fosters a kid that was abused, mm. physically abused, and starved out on a porch oh for days gosh. at a time. They locked him out there. Wow. The neighbors would throw water and food onto his balcony. Wow. So this was for years and years. So he's obviously traumatized, literal and figurative scars. But now yeah. he's a very successful 19-year-old that lives with my friend. Mm. He eats half of his meal and then secretly wraps it in saran, saran wrap and hides oh. it under bed. Yeah. Or he puts it in the cupboard. Yeah. Which is really frustrating for my friend because they have mice and ants now. <laughs> but guess who he, guess how right. he deals with that? He's, he has the context. Yeah. So he doesn't yell at this kid. He reminds him, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, for years, you don't right. have to do that anymore. Right. Because it's the whole story. And so when somebody, and when somebody is, Untoward. I never get to use that word. There is untoward at me. Um, untoward towards you. Untoward toward me. They they <laughs> have a reason. It, right. It's probably a terrible reason, but they have one. Mm-hmm. And I have the ability to do the work to let them off the hook a little bit, which is what right. grace just does. It just does that. Yeah. If a blind person steps on my foot, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It does. They didn't need to. It hurts. And I might be mad until I realize, oh, they, they can't see. And so now I can move that right. in my head to I'm still hurting, 
but I no longer have been mistreated. Right. Oh, nicely, nicely put. But I'm doing that work. Yeah. You see? So yeah, in systems theory, they, that's, they say that's a well self-differentiated individual who doesn't react but responds to a moment. Mm. Um, wow. Yeah, that's the systems theory stuff. I don't buy into it that much except when it works for me. <laughs> that's, how adaptive of you. Yeah, that's how I am academically in general. I don't buy into any of this stuff except when it suits me, when it's convenient. Sure. Um, I, uh, one of the things that I, uh, that I did with bringing the, that nakedness to prayer, mm-hmm. um, if you were to bring it to therapy, which I think is always a good thing to do, Therapies can be, therapy can be very helpful, um, especially if you have a therapist that is good. Um, those that aren't then maybe not you know but therapy helps you kind of process these ideas and such but when but when you bring it to God you don't even have the therapist as a buffer anymore it is just you and God and you can say God they just did this and and but if you're I think part of the honesty that I like in the book is if you stay with that prayer you realize that you're not there yet stay with it and for even Mm -hmm. to say God I heard now you're saying still not there yet Mm-hmm. Stay with that more. Um, that you know that uh, being that naked in front of God forces you to really see what God sees. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the experiment of it though? That I mean, this is why I use this language because it. What you're saying is uh, what, what what somebody is saying in this staying with it and praying is. Yeah. I am trusting that you already know this that I'm the last one to know this, right. that I'm the last one to accept this and see it and, and be willing to embrace it as part of what's going to be transformed into something truer later. And so it's it, a prayer is me catching up. And right, to experiment right. with that is like, is, is to say, what if, what if you're the last one to the party about you? Right, right. <laughs> what's true about you? Everyone's like, we've been saying this about, and that's often, isn't that what an intervention is? When you finally like, oh, I guess I do have a problem. Like, we've been telling you you have a problem for years. <laughs> that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Why, why aren't you there with us? One, well, and I would also say, I, I'm going to say a yes and. Um, uh, depending on on your view of of theism, uh, your understanding of God. Mm-hmm. So for those who have a um, a view of God, where God uh, of a more um, predestinarian or providence that God already God knows how it's going to end up and everything like that mm-hmm. then then yes I think that God is like I know where you're going to go but we're going to take the time and we're going to get you there mm-hmm. those who lean more towards an open theism um, the experiment t- may take on a different sense where God says this is what I see and I'd love for you to get there but it seems like mm-hmm. you're only going so far so let's work with that mm-hmm. and, and now the experiment is God saying, I'm going to try to help call you to a place where you can be as honest as you can with me. But even if you're not, I'm still going to be with you where you are. And I, I think you say this in your book. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, the fact that you say God loves you as you are right now, um, that was really nice. Um, that, was a, that was a really nice point in, in that book. That like it's, you know, who you are right now is good. God sees that as good. We can be better mm-hmm. if you're good. Um, but so that experiment of saying that when I go into prayer, maybe even God doesn't know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, God knows what where we are fully, but is saying, wherever you end up, I'm still going to be with you and we're going to work through it, which mm-hmm. takes a lot of pressure off the prayer. 
in the oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. No, if, I, if I don't get this prayer right, if I don't get it, then I'm still going to be trying to catch up on the party. But otherwise, but instead saying, God's saying, no, this is good. We can work with this. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, I think of, I, I have no idea what God knows about what's coming. And, well, and you yeah. know, the, 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 I, 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 parts of open theism make sense to me and parts right. of it, you know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, definitely. But, but if God is at least as good at life as uh, my computer is at chess, it doesn't know what I'm going to do. It right. just knows how chess works. And so can accommodate every single move I make. That's and that's a, that's uh yeah that's some open theists or process theologians for those who are they that's one of their responses is that God knows all the possible responses God mm. sees everything and and gotcha. that's part of the uh, the omnipotence of God I mean what I I try to make space for the the more providential understanding because for some people that it's that offers a lot of comfort mm-hmm. in saying God knows and God has mm-hmm. it under control. Yeah. And far be it from me to try to take that comfort away. That's mm. not my place. And I think you're right. Like in the end, who knows? We don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, t- I just openly, I mean, I, it's, it's a feature of my sermons. I tell people I'm mostly wrong. So let's just be really loving. We, we know we're right about that. <laughs> but yeah, all this, this stuff is just fun to talk about. I was just talking to my dad. I said, I, I think it would be really interesting if we get to wherever we're going on judgment day and we start asking questions about pain and suffering. And God says, oh, because you signed up for all that. Mm. We, before you were born, you elected for all of those things. So you know that would be that would be just as comforting. Oh, this was my idea. Yeah, That's you a, said you wanted to you wanted to learn patience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice twist on the on the idea of the original sin. Mm. Instead of as original sin, it's this is us saying we we would like to see what this free will will be like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's see what life is like outside the garden. Let's yeah. let's make let's make pants. <laughs> well, I mean, a good set, of, a good pair of pants feels good. Let's it does. just be honest about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, especially so. You know, I, I, I was going to try to mention some of like fabrics and stuff, but I know nothing mm. about the garment industry. I'm not my area of <laughs> expertise, so I'm not going to try. All right. Well, um, but if you want to mention any pants cuts uh, or fabrics that you particularly enjoy, no, I uh, my my wife dresses me, so this is. Well, I've, extent from, of my knowledge, from the top up, you look great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> now I'm now I'm back to a thank you with a question mark. Thank but, you. But I'm still I'm still very thankful. That's good. good. <laughs> and folks, if you want to give recommendations of different kinds of pants, cuts of pants, garments, all that <laughs> stuff, send those to twelve enough at gmail dot com. I'm happy to take your suggestions and recommendations. So here is a um, here's a projection that I carry, mm-hmm. and I'd like to share it. And then I want it. Um, I'm wondering if there's a bigger discourse that you're speaking it out into. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I'm wondering if it is this the segment of Christianity that comes out of a more evangelical conservative context, um, where. Uh, the ideas that you're suggesting in your book, ideas like God loves you as you are, ideas um, like um, you know you've got to stop trying to control people and stop trying to control because that's where power is and just letting go. Um, those those kind of ideas, these 
I'm wondering if it's part in reaction to a more conservative evangelical Christian culture. Hmm. Yeah, it, it could very well be. I mean, I, I grew up Catholic. Okay. Uh, and and then was just I just kind of embraced a Christian agnosticism. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by that is I thought they were all crazy, but it, but my mine was our crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then <clears throat> had a had a pretty significant experience and came back into um, uh, Protestant, you know, evangelical church and was was pretty rigid, pretty uh, good, pretty decent Pharisee. Yeah. And uh, have planed out over the over the years, I think, pretty pretty well. Um, there's definitely a reaction there, and and I'll I'll own that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of that is my my measuring that there's an evangelical voice that has shifted into a power grab, hmm. and uh, at the expense of people who. Um, need a friend. They, they need, they need to be seen and heard. And, and I'm part of that. You know, I'm, okay. I'm a pastor at a, at a Protestant church. I don't refer to myself as an evangelical, but I, I could very well be, be lumped in with that banner. Okay. Um, but, but there, there is a sense of probably, especially in the last couple of years that evangelical is synonymous with, um, uh, those who are trying, those who have the power mm. and, 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 and in Jesus's name want to, uh, control the narrative right. uh, in America. Right. And, and I resist that. Uh, so you have a thought about that? Oh no. You so I, you know that, and well, that was part of, I mean, part of it is, you know, my own, my own stuff that I carry is I, I, you know, I read that you're in North Carolina and so now I'm already creating this, this narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read this book and I say, this would not, fly at, in our you know with our more conservative evangelical churches mm-hmm. um, but I also have this feeling every book that's written as one of my professor told me this every book that's written is an intervention into a discourse mm-hmm. and, and and I've yet to find an example where that's not the case mm-hmm. and, and yeah. so the idea of there's a conversation happening and that's part of when I was reading and that might speak to that what is the larger broader narrative thread of the book itself mm-hmm. and so part of when I was reading this I was thinking like I'm wondering if Steve is trying to speak into this conversation that's happening where God is very rigid where God is judgmental where being a Christian is making sure you're controlled making sure you're presenting your best self and hiding everything else mm-hmm. and you're trying to offer a softer appeal because I don't hear it as this angry, um, you know, you guys are wrong and we're right. Mm-hmm. What I hear it is more is like there's this part of the story that is so joyful. There's a, there is I, I do want to there's a lot of joy in your book, mm, and I really good. I really appreciate that. Uh, and even and even the passages when you talk about your childhood, uh, and some of those are full of joy. And there's but there's others when you talk about some very you know some difficult times in your childhood there is still this sense of hope all throughout mm-hmm. the book. And it is almost as if you're saying all of you who have been so legalistic, we're missing a big part of who God is. Mm-hmm. And I want to try to liberate you from that. Yeah. Gosh, that that's beautifully put. <clears throat> I, I don't conscious, I didn't consciously have that goal with the book. That's that fair was enough. a, 
I, I was, uh, I would love to know that that happened. I think of myself more as I'm in a little John boat following behind a, a, a really big ship, a, a really big Jesus church ship. And more and more and more people have been pushed or fallen or have jumped off the back. And I'm just, I'm picking them up. People who are done with church, uh, people who have, and I mean, you read the same Pew research as anybody else. Right. No, people aren't giving up on God. They're, they're giving up on the God talkers. And, and so I'm just back here in a boat that I think I, you know, can hold some people, Right. but I, I'm not yelling at that captain. I don't, I don't know what to say to that captain. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the influence. If somebody put, you know, a, a, a big camera and a big microphone and put me on TV, then I would say, yeah, Christians were never supposed to have power. Hmm. And and your your yeah long- Constantine, yeah today I, I don't get me started. <laughs> the the reason you want control, and this is another mm. uh, this is another thread in my book, is because you're afraid. Yeah. And so when we interpersonally understand that we're afraid, and that we are incentivized to stay afraid because it sells, you know, the news wants us afraid because it right. sells whatever the Lexus and toothpaste and commercials in between segments. Right. Yep. Our politicians uh, certainly want us afraid. They want us afraid. And our pastors have scared us mm-hmm. um, because we were told that we were supposed to have an enemy and we've been trained for war. And the thing about Jesus is he trains you for war and then takes you to the other side of the hill and says, those are your brothers, not your enemies. Right. And it, our ego hates that. Yeah. And so it, it's really, I, I mean, our church is pretty big. It's really hard to lead a church and not, um, not use fear and not, mm. and not have a them. Right. There is, there is no them. Right. So my book I, is really an attempt to, um, that metaphor is brand new. It just came to me, but I, I'm That's just good. back here saying anybody that wants to get in because you, you, yeah. you, when you put your ear to the ground, you still, still hear Jesus is walking around, but you reject the Christianity that told you God likes tap dancing and gets mad when you stop. Yeah. I wonder, um, I mean, if, if I could offer a charitable read of the tap dancers, mm-hmm. you know, and I sometimes wonder if people new in the faith need that kind of certainty. Um, and I don't know, because I'm not from that context at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's not who I am, but I, I still try to look at, I mean, they're still my brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe that they're trying their best. Well, most of them. Some of them aren't. Some of them are just mean. Uh, but um, I, I sometimes wonder if that the certainty that's offered and even that legalistic certainty mm-hmm. might be like that first level of comfort that people need. But we're not good in developing disciples. Mm. And and what happens is you stay with that, and as people start to grow and mature, they say, "Wait, this is starting to get uncomfortable." And but because we're not good at developing disciples, like, no, this is it. You've got to be with us, or you're not with us at all. And then they end up in your church, where you say, "Okay, here's a new <laughs> set of clothes that'll fit you better." <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. I, I'm with you, and I take to heart you saying that you you don't know. Yeah. Uh, because I really have a, I won't say visceral, but I, I have a foundational uh, 
resistance to what you're saying in terms of t- giving people the absolutes that will give them calm. Yeah. Because I've literally sold drugs before. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and so that it feels like, you know, all the way back to the opium, opium of the masses, like mm-hmm. it re- it can serve that, but that's not true. What's, what's true mm-hmm. is nuance and ambiguity yep. and mystery. And we're, we're in the West and we want black and white binary. Just give it to me because it literally gives my brain comfort. It, and I wonder, go ahead. No, no, I'll say, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there with you all the time, except when I'm at someone's bedside. Yeah, right, 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 right. Right, yeah, or doing a funeral. Um, and you know, I guess the way that I, I wrestle with that is I still say when I when I, I speak with you know in a very realistic sense of the resurrection and and stuff, mm-hmm. but I still hold to the the mystical understanding of that. It's for me, it's mm-hmm. still um, a myth in the broad construction of that sure, idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to tell someone like we're going to ascribe to the notion that your loved one is now with God because that brings us a sense of hope and comfort. Although in reality, we just don't know and I don't want to give you that assurance. Like you yeah. know, at a funeral, then they need the drug. Well, so that's a great example of, I I, uh, I, I agree with you, but I would say that's that's not even really where I, I... I don't hear that where you're going either. That's Yeah, I think it's more like, to use your your funeral point, it's the people who would use that opportunity to speak in absolutes about what you have to say and pray and be in order to go up rather than down. And I just think that yeah. that it's a toxic thing. So I, there is a real peace to me in saying, oh, there's so much we don't know. And yeah. I, I don't know where your loved one is exactly. I don't, I've never been there. Never, ex- never let someone who hasn't been where you are be your tour guide. I've never been to heaven. Why, what, why would you pay me to tell you what it's like? <laughs> But what I can say is I've, I've sat in the presence of great love. What I can say is, is there's, there, I, I've heard Christ's heartbeat and I've felt an embrace. Mm. And if I get it, you get it. And so does your, your dad or your whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, I believe that the center of the universe is benevolent and good and for us. And I believe Christ is worth following now and forever. Um, but then to turn that into control would be, right. um, I've been to that funeral too. Oh well, yeah, where they say you've got it now. You be, when they do it, give an altar call during the funeral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I think that that is a misunderstanding, and so yeah, I, th- I think that we're on the same page yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, I think um, we're about at time. Mm-hmm. This has been a, a a great conversation, Steve. Um, I know we didn't get into the very particulars of your book. I I want to say that the one part about the big statue um, yes. that gave truck drivers. A sense of hope and solace that was beautiful okay. because my reaction would be similar like oh there you go putting all that money into a big jesus statue uh-huh. um so i really related with your first response and then being humbled um and hearing about how that i, I thought that was excellent so uh, i don't want to share any more about that because i wanted to entice our listeners mm. um to buy the book because now they're going to say like i want to know more about this statue folks yeah you want to know about this statue it's <laughs> it's big. It's huge. <laughs> I'm all for the big and the huge. Um, so, yeah. So people go and get the book "Experiments in Honesty" by Steve Dougherty, but spelled D-A-U-G-H-E-R-T-Y. And this mm-hmm. this will all be on the show notes as well. And the subtitle, because some booksellers maybe there's two books out there that have the same title, "Experiments in Honesty." 
Mm -hmm. Also by the same, but you know, same name of the author too. But this one is Meditations on Love, Fear, and the Honest to God Naked Truth. Steve, I want to give you an opportunity to give a last word. Do you want to any last word or thought um, that you'd like to share? Hmm. Gosh, it feels so final. Yeah, this is it. This could make or break you getting on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, I don't feel that pressure because that's already broken. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think one of the themes in the book is a real gift, um, and that's uh, you, plural you, your listeners, me. Uh, you're selfish, and that's okay. Hmm. Your, your selfishness is how God is going to teach you to become aware enough to be as compassionate as Jesus. Because if we're to love others the way we love ourselves, that assumes we're really tuned into what we want. So if we can, if we can silence the judge and recalibrate that selfishness, we're going to become really, really kind and wise and loving. And that is what we need. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Um, people go check out his website, um, stevedoherty.net. Again, that'll be on the show notes. And what time's your church service or services? We, we have two, uh, 9 and 11. Okay, so if you're in Cary, North Carolina, um, you go, go to Cross Point Church, and that's Cross Point with an E at the end. I was just mm-hmm. looking at the back of the book. I just realized mm-hmm. that. Go to Cross Point Church at 9 or at 11. Just go for both. Cause go for Steve, both. Steve promises that the 9 o'clock sermon and the 11 o'clock sermon will be radically different. Uh, I promise. <laughs> if only he's only doing that if a twelve enough listener is there. So you need to bring some of the twelve enough paraphernalia, some of our, mm-hmm. um, you know, our T-shirts or hats or, mm-hmm. um, you know, cup Just cozies. Sti- walk up to me, stick out your hand, and say "big huge statue," and you'll get a free coffee. Free a free coffee because I've heard about Cross Point Church that it's usually a buck twenty-five for a cup of coffee there. It's yeah, it's a buck twenty-five. Buck twenty-five. Two dollars for non-members. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of that's to... true. None of that is true. No, but I mean, yeah. All right, Steve, thanks for being on the show. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, that was a good conversation. I never ended one and recorded and say, okay, well, that conversation happened. It was something. It was mediocre, but it happened. But no, that you know why? Because they've all been good. And, and not anything because I do, because I have good guests. I have a very high standard, and I only take in those who meet those standards. Now, compared to other people, my standard's not that high, but for me, it's a very high standard. I get you good guests. I do the best I can. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Steve Doherty. I encourage you to um, pick up his book. It really is, it really, it, it's very engaging, has some wonderful ideas. Um, if you're looking, if you have a church group or a non-church group that would like to have something to read that isn't your usual evangelical peblum, check out Steve's book. It's good. You know, it's better than good. It's pretty good. How about that? So, uh, Thank you for listening. One thought that I'd like you to have. Um, I'm at a crossroads with the podcast, and I'll try to, I, I've kind of alluded to this before, but it, it is a bit of work for me to do this, and I'm not able to 
put these out as often as I'd like. I'd like to have an episode out every other week. That's just not happening. I have uh, a church that I serve. I have other interests that I'm engaged in, those kind of things. It's just, it's not any different from anyone else. I'm not complaining about that. My life is full, and the fullness, for the most part, is a blessing. But uh, I've been wondering, is this something I should continue doing? Is the podcast have, does the podcast have value? I enjoy the conversations. I, I enjoy the opportunity to, opportunity to connect with people and to share those conversations. And I do hear from you from time to time saying, I like this conversation, I enjoyed listening to that one, that kind of thing. And thank you for sharing that. But those moments of hearing feedback from listeners are far and few between. And, and I'm, I'm not looking for accolades so much. But what I want to know is, is this something that you value? Is this something that you want to, me to continue? What I hope to be doing is to be offering an alternative to many of the religious Christian, specifically podcasts out there, which feel so um, skewed towards a certain theological bent, i.e. conservative evangelical, that there isn't a place for people who are more progressive or at least open-minded. You don't have to be progressive to enjoy this, but at least open-minded and people who want to go deep with ideas too. There's not a place for that. And so I'm trying to offer that, those kinds of conversations, that place to really engage. I also, I'm, I've said it before, but I do need some help. Uh, if, if I were to be able to do this on a more regular basis, I, I just need help even with booking guests or coming up with ideas. Um, you know, let me know how you can help. So here's what I'm asking. Here's, here's the specifics. All I need you to do is take one dollar, put it in an envelope, and mail. No, don't, don't need to do that. Uh, you know, first go to iTunes, rate the show, like the show, put a little comment. Um, I take those to heart. I really appreciate those, but they also really help the show get known um, in a broader context. Uh, second, go to Facebook. Let, leave me a comment on Facebook. This is all very easy stuff. You're always going to spend time on Facebook anyways. You're there right now, probably, scrolling through Facebook while listening to me prattle on and on. Go to the Facebook page, Facebook slash 12 Enough, and make a comment on, on the, about the show there. Uh, uh, finally, send me a, a message. Yeah, 12 Enough at gmail.com. And the message can be as little as I like it. Keep going. This is, this is useful. Whatever you want to say. I don't want to editorialize. I don't want to tell you what to write. Um, just, yeah. But then if you really do feel like you'd like to help out, you'd like to be a part of this ministry, this endeavor, let me know. There are many ways that people could be helpful in making this happen. Uh, so, you know, let me know if this is something that you would like me to continue. Uh, I apologize that I'm going to say this again on the next episode, probably at the front end as well. Uh, I find that if I don't, if I only say it in one episode, people miss it. Some people have already stopped listening by now because they heard the conversation end. They're like, yeah, Malone's just going to prattle on and on. That's the second time I used prattle. Twice. I need to stop. Uh, so I apologize for the redundancy that's about to occur. But I do, I do need your input. I do need some, some suggestions and such. So all that being said, thank you very much for listening. Now, here are the closing credits.
uh, 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Steve Doherty, pastor of Cross Point Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, more specifically, Cary, North Carolina. Do the thoughts, ideas, opinions, ruminations, wonderings, musings, laughter, and crying that happen on this show do not represent their churches, their denominations, their friends, their families, the places where they live, the people they interact with, the people that we try to speak for or not for. We're not trying to speak for them. These are our own ideas. This is our podcast. <laughs>